So you've also got to think about, okay, what is the problem? But going back to that earlier point of the two sides of a coin, is one of the problems that you're trying to fix your own freedom and lifestyle, you know, because that is something that many of us struggle with as, as health professors, as doctors, let's say. In today's episode, I connected with Dr. Beirouz Bebod, who is otherwise known as a public health consultant and the entrepreneur's doctor. So B, as he likes to be called, um, is actually trained at Harvard and Oxford. Clever, clever, clever guy with over 25 years of international experience across health, business and education. And he also dedicated a good deal of his time supporting health professionals who are looking to become entrepreneurs and scale their impact whilst working less. So the initial scope of this conversation was really focused on academia and entrepreneurialism and medical education and why entrepreneurialism hasn't had so much of a look in until very recently. But we've also talked about entrepreneurialism as a sustainable career, taking time out in your week to reflect and use that time rather than filling it with other stuff, especially if you are someone that has suffered from burnout, but you're looking to create something new. So a really varied, reflective discussion. And I hope that you enjoy and can use it as a foundation for any decisions that you may make moving forward in your career as an enterprising doctor. Anyway, on to the episode. Let's face it, burnout amongst doctors is sky high and we're actively seeking other ways to make the most of our transferable skills beyond the usual career pathways. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Abena Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million doctors across the world with the best in diverse career opportunities. Hey, so today we have B. He said earlier on, I was... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We're keeping the laughter in, right? So yeah. we've got Perus here, or B, as he likes to be called, Bearboard, public health consultant and the entrepreneur's doctor. There is no other doctor but Perus <laughs> as the entrepreneur's doctor. And I love the branding. Like it's it just totally owns it. And you know, you know, you know what this is about. And one of the reasons why I was so interested in having this conversation, because we're both doctors in uh strange specialties but but doing the cool entrepreneurialism thing too and we can talk about that in particular so I'm in occupational health you're in public health we are linked but also separate and also the opportunities for doctors as entrepreneurs and why this is not usually part of the medical standard part of the medical curriculum so as we know that academia is tends to always be the forefront and the driver for medical schools, but why is entrepreneurial entrepreneur, I can't say the word now, entrepreneurism not? Why 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 is it not? And should it be? Should it be? But welcome, welcome. Thank you. Davis. How are you today? Good, good. <laughs> 
Sorry, I, you know, I, I, I do ramble on. And one of the things I was saying to, to B earlier was like, actually, let's just go off piece because we ha- probably have a lot to talk about that probably won't be in the scope of what I've just said. But let's see how this goes. So tell me a little bit more. Let's start with your, your entrepreneurial journey as a doctor. So why, when were you looking at other options? When did you start yeah, and why? Yeah, okay. So... I mean, if you go way back, just briefly, uh, I think it was finishing high school, A-levels up in Leeds. And in our yearbook, one of my friends wrote about me, like a paragraph, like he's going to be an entrepreneur. First of all, I had no idea what an entrepreneur was back then. Uh, And secondly, I was completely against the idea of business. You know, I just hated the idea. I don't know why. It's not a political perspective. It's just I wasn't into that. You know, I was purely for clinical practice. And anyway, fast forward. um, And ever since finishing the house jobs, you know, I was always looking for a way to go upstream and to get into more prevention, but had no idea what public health was other than p-values and statistics and all the boring stuff, which I do for a day-to-day living right now. But the thing that, you know, piqued my interest was when I started seeing friends of mine during my PhD in the States, we were all doing public health and environmental public health specifically. And I would see many of them doing PhDs and master's programs in high level places and then going off and starting up a business of their own, a venture. And then fast forward, I think it was, I can't remember the exact year, but around the time when you started perhaps with this program with Medic Footprints, and I saw a TED talk by a friend of mine who med school friend that was um, on the podcast recently. And he is a professor, he's an eye surgeon, he's a professor at the London School of Hygiene, Tropical Medicine, and he set up his own nonprofit to help, um, you know, prevention of blindness in Africa. And all of these stories combined just made me think, you know, I'm a public health physician, I don't need to just practice in academia or in public health settings, even though I do, to get the job done. There's other ways too. Brilliant. But then why, why business? So you've gone full circle here from hating mm-hmm not liking business, I'm say hating is a very strong yeah. word, to actually business being your business. So t- tell me more about how you sure. decided to go down that route, because there's a whole lot of other things that you could have done. Absolutely. So I think it was about 10 years, at least 10 years that I was looking for an, um, an ex, mm, let me say it correctly. So you know when you and I probably had the same story that we applied to medical school and we had a goalpost that we were trying to aim for and we we got it we got into med school and that was hard enough and we were like super happy and then the next goalpost is finishing it next po- post and so on you get into registrar training specialty training and we're always trying to grow uh, and improve and ever I remember ever since 2003 when I finished med school I've been looking for a way out of the hospital setting Mainly because, first of all, I actually didn't like the nature of the work. And I felt like we're focusing a lot of the attention, which we need to. Don't get me wrong. That work is never going away. We need to go upstream. And the reason that came full circle is like for at least 10 years, I was interested in entrepreneurship. Yet I treated it as a side hobby where I'm mainly helping other people who are setting up their own businesses as a friendly, informal way. No Mm -hmm. money exchanged. And then... 2020 hits the pandemic and I was working you know and I hit burnout myself and I thought enough's enough without going into too much detail I'm happy to but to keep it a short answer 
I had a coach and she advised me. She's, well, it's not coaching, but she advised me at that point, like, what is it that you truly want? And I shared this experience and this story of what I truly wanted. And she's like, just go all in. What are you waiting for? So I had this um, risk averse kind of attitude, which many of us do as clinicians, that I don't want to lose my reputation. I don't have the time to do this. I don't want to raise a lot of funding and invest in something that may fail, who all of these things combined. And I've got a mortgage to cover. So I thought, what is the next best thing? And I thought, okay, I could have this side gig, hustle, whatever you want to call it, where I'm still practicing medicine, but I'm also doing this on the side with no risk whatsoever in in any way, because I've got all the permissions and there's no financial risk. So I started just sharing my, we've got a ton of expertise to share, sharing the expertise, sharing the wisdom, sharing the networking, you know, the people that we know with those who are entrepreneurs from all sorts of professional backgrounds. And that advisory capacity has evolved to where we are now. And it's really a part-time business. And I love it. I genuinely love it. Mm. And, and I really I really love that that narrative, um, especially the bit where you're talking about balancing your, your side. You, you call it a side hustle, um, even though I, from what I heard from one of your podcasts, it's two days a week, right? You mm-hmm. focus on the entrepreneur's doctor and three days. So... I mean, that's nearly half of your week, right? So it's it's a, it's a you know, and, and also, you know, your presence and your branding is quite substantial in the right spaces, obviously, in the right networks. Um, but you you still maintaining both, they seem to be quite healthy, like both your career as a public health consultant and also as essentially, I mean, how do you call that? How do you call yourself? Essentially, in in a nutshell, if you had to apply for a car a car insurance, do you have a business <laughs> business coach? You know, so, I, I look at the drop down. I'm like, what do I choose? Yeah. But like, essentially, you're, you're a business coach, an entrepreneur. How how would you describe it? I'm a public health physician. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. The end goal is the same. Mm. It's improving population health and well being. And I think we all have multiple tools in our toolkit. One is mm. the way I practice public health you know and epidemiology and health protection and health promotion and academic work but also alongside it I teach I coach I consult I mentor so all of these things combined are just one role at the end of the day I'm a public health physician that's interesting so looking back to what to to why you trained as a medic would you say that you're still practicing medicine happily because of the inverted commas side hustle being the entrepreneur's yeah. doctor so it's I'll like it's like being superman and clark kent isn't it you've got both of these <laughs> identities that are kind of feeding off each other would you say they do feed off each other for sure i mean you have to keep them i mean for anyone who's watching listening you've got to keep things separate obviously for conflicts of interest you've got to be careful when it comes to that especially if you're working in the nhs for example in the uk or anywhere else for that matter it can get a bit murky the waters if you're not careful But having said that, the reason I got into medicine, I think it's the same for all of us. We want to help people, right? We want to help them have better lives, happier, healthier lives. And then getting into clinical work, I realized that we need that kind of work, the reactive role, but we need to be a bit more proactive. And there's various ways of doing that. And as doctors, we have, and not just doctors, but any health professional, we've got a responsibility to our communities, our patients. So what is the best way to do that? And If you think about it, you know, I've shared this before, you probably know this already, but over the past 20 years, I've been thinking, okay, I need to learn more, I need to gain more qualifications and experience. And along the way, 
I've come to realize what actually determines our health is not where all the focus is, where all the attention is, which is health care. And I was contemplating, you know, in the States, when I first went into public health, occupational medicine and public health is the same specialty. It's just one subset of the other. Here, they're slightly different for, for whatever reason. But having said that, we need to look beyond the clinical ex, you know, encounter if we want to truly prevent and treat disease. 80, 90% of our health is way outside of hospital settings, but 80, 90% of funding goes there. Sure, we need that, but there's so much more that needs to be done. So fast forward to the thing that was brewing before my burnout. It's not like I burnt out and said, look, let me just find a solution. It, would, it had been brewing. So I'd been thinking about this for quite some time, but I was thinking, okay, there's, there's this movement, there's this trend from lifestyle medicine to digital health to artificial intelligence. Everyone wants to get into this game, which is great. We need this, but let's steer it in the direction where there's actual need, where there's actually a good return on the investment. Let's not keep wasting resources. So I'll keep that a short answer there, but happy to elaborate. No, 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 I, I really appreciate that. And um, I mean, let's take it to some part of the conversation that I was particularly interested in when we're talking about our medical education yeah. and the balance between academia and entrepreneurialism. So you've mentioned, but I'd love to hear a bit more about you going to the States and getting into research-related degrees, PhDs. But are you currently in academia? I guess as a public health consultant, you're probably doing a lot of that anyway, the day-to-day. But could you tell me more about your thoughts on like the importance of academia versus entrepreneurialism as a as a doctor sure, in particular? Sure. Let's go back to what we're trying to achieve, Abain. I mean, we're trying mm-hmm. to use evidence, and I use that word sensitively i'm not just talking about clinical evidence in a journal scientific medical journal evidence that we experience as patients experience as carers experience as clinicians and experience that's in the scientific realm as well all of this evidence combined to practice good medicine or healthcare, whatever we want to call it all with the intention of doing safe good work right so how do we do that and how do we keep advancing and pushing the envelope one is through evidence based methods, epidemiology, statistics, you know, program evaluation, service evaluation, quality improvement, things that we are actually taught a little bit as undergraduate medical doctors and nurses, perhaps, and pharmacists and so on. But as you go into your specialty training, that's probably where you get hints of it. We can come back to this in a second, actually, but I could debate forever about what is actually the content of undergraduate medical education. But the challenge with that is that's not where the job ends. There's so much more that we need. So for example, we talk about research and innovation, right? One comes before the other and vice versa. They kind of feed Mm -hmm. off each other. We do research that we need as medics. We need to learn about those uh, evidence-based methods and epidemiology to not just to do it, but to understand how it's used and to ask the right questions. So that's where the research comes into play. And we need that skill set for sure. But then it's about innovation. Okay, how do we turn that new knowledge to innovate something? And then Mm -hmm. you don't have to do it. You could partner with someone. You need an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur to bring that idea to fruition. Mm -hmm. These are all Mm -hmm. related things. Did that answer the question? Yeah, I mean, they're they're very much linked. But I guess the question is like, why in practice there's more Mm. of a focus on the research than the innovation in medicine? What 
Okay, so I think innovation and, and entrepreneurship are emerging, as, as we can tell. Oh, yeah. from, they are emerging, and so it's early days. I mean, I remember when I first moved back from the States, we were looking at how to bring lifestyle medicine to the UK and to Europe, and this is 2013. And then digital health, I had it on my thing, let's set up a, a body that can promote digital health. This is way before everyone starts talking about it. Uh, we were starting to talk about creating a master's program in digital health in, in an academic setting. Fast forward, now we're starting to talk about entrepreneurship and you've got the clinical entrepreneur program and so on. These are emerging trends and there'll be others down the line. We just have to ride that wave and carry on being innovative in our careers as well as in what we do. And it's fine so long as we have the end goal in mind. So let me just pivot and start speaking just a little bit if it's okay, Abena. We should never forget as health professionals, as doctors, that there's two sides of this coin. One is the end goal, which is we're there to serve and improve the health and well-being of our patients, of our community, global health for that matter. But never forget the, the concept of the oxygen mask on yourself before you serve everyone else. And that's where business, when done right, because it can go pear-shaped very quickly, when done right, you have the freedom to design the kind of business that you want that is conducive to the world that you want to live in, depending on what that looks like. And I think that's the added benefit that I've found from being in this. I, I think I really echo that. And one of the important things for our vision at Medic Footprints is to ensure that doctors have the resources and the capacity and the freedom and the skills to tackle some of the world's most pressing issues, right? Mm -hmm. And they can only really do that if they are in a right in the right place, state of mind, right? And so especially like we know a lot of doctors, especially post-pandemic or peri-pandemic, I should say, have really suffered. Um, in their roles have had burnout have had PTSD have left and not looked back and you know it, it was a terrible it was a terrible time for many in, in healthcare in general and you know we're seeing the outcomes of you know how many healthcare professionals are striking as we speak let alone civil servants but it but going back to doctors it's so important that they're equipped with some of that basic those basic skills that enable them to go out there and create mm -hmm. so to speak uh, whether it's, uh, I know we're talking about non-for-profits, but also, you know, businesses that can help do good or fill in some of the gaps that aren't currently served in healthcare or for patient care. As you mentioned, like 80 to 90% of funding is focused on hospital medicine, but we know medicine is, is much broader and wider than that. So, yeah, I mean, for doctors who are considering going down the business route, perhaps, like as a way of developing their own careers, like what advice would you give to them on, if they're considering it? They're saying, I've, I have identified a problem that I think can be solved with a much better solution that, that's, you know, than, that's happening right here in my clinical practice. Mm -hmm. what, would, what would you advise would be the next step for them? Very high level, so, clearly. So I would, yeah, absolutely. And I actually had a call with, with a clinician in the States just before our call, having that similar conversation. And I'll, I'll share the same process, really. I think just I would take some time and slow down on that very first question in terms of what the problem is that you want to solve. And 
again, it's reflecting based on my experience and not everyone has to be like me, but we all share some common threads, I think. So we, we see a problem in the clinical setting or in, in something in our world. Some of us have been patients. I mean, YouTube Health had an event the other day and many of the YouTube clinicians started because of a personal health issue as well. And, and, and same story as mine. So you've also got to think about, okay, what is the problem? But going back to that earlier point of the two sides of a coin, is one of the problems that you're trying to fix your own freedom and lifestyle, you know, because that is something that many of us struggle with as, as health as doctors, let's say. We don't have the time and space. And, and I was asking, you know, this question of many people, because we define that freedom differently. And to be honest with you, it's the, it is like a, something we try to hide. It's not, there's a bit of a stigma to it saying, oh, I want freedom because people think you're, you're there to serve patients and populations. Why do you want freedom? To me, freedom is not this gimmick that is promoted everywhere in terms of marketing. Oh, have, you know, work from the beach and have a four hour work week. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about creating that space where you can start to actually think, allow the dust and murky waters to settle so you can see through the clear water and find out where the real solutions are. I posed this today on LinkedIn. Like, honestly, with all of the stuff we're doing, is it making a real impact? Like, let's be serious for a second. I have that question every day. There you go. Every day, and every single conversation, you. right? Mm -hmm. Like, how, how much of your time is actually significantly contributing to moving things forward in whatever you're planning to do? You may have an answer for that. So what if? What if we used our collective wisdom as clinicians and indeed the wider sector to just open up some space? Let's slow down for a second, like give some people the space to think. And that's the beauty of public health medicine. But aside from that, give people because even they like we still don't have time. So I work part time to create that space. But let's create that. But space. then you filled it with other stuff, though. So. But no. So if you look at my schedule, I've got ample space for thinking time. I don't book it up with stuff, right? It's thinking time. And it's really important that we do that because we'll see things differently. And then slowly solutions might, I don't have a solution, but solutions might come about that way. Better than the way we're going about it now. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most doctors, we're in a habit of filling up all our time. I mean, I personally am just because I don't know any better. And I'm trying to untrain my mind to be like, actually, you've got this space. Don't fill it with just doing stuff. Because I feel like if I'm not doing stuff, then it's not of any value to me or it's not of any value to what I'm trying to achieve. But the reality is when I'm relaxed, when I'm doing something that's completely unrelated, that's when the best ideas, thoughts, whatever, reflections that's when they come to me and actually help reasonably help me move forward. And so like now we talk, we're talking about schedules here, right? Mm -hmm. So like I left the NHS in 2007, that's my last NHS job, but not my last NHS work. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I left the NHS in 2017 and started off with actually a lot of free time. And then gradually it kind of built up into more clinics, occupational health clinics more medic footprints, doing a whole load of medic footprints, like very blurred boundaries. And then over time, I've learned to really cut back on that. And now mm -hmm. my schedule is, because I've just had a baby and I've got two kids, is two days of being a mother, nice. um, which 
isn't as easy as it sounds because even though I'm mother, I still got my like, yeah. I'm a work person. I'm a workhorse hat on. So I'm always thinking about work. I've got to learn to push that aside. One one main day of, clinic, of medic footprints and then the rest is unscheduled time. So it's not mummy time. It's not formally medic footprints time, but it is unscheduled time. Good. And that really does... It gets it gets booked up stuff all the time, to be honest. But <laughs> when there isn't anything, it really helps me. Like I can sit back and I can actually, like as you said, think, right? And do you find that like a lot of the entrepreneurs that you mentor have found the same benefits from actually taking that time? Yeah, look, I think I, I put a post out the other day, and actually going back to occupational medicine and preventive medicine in the US space medicine is one of the subspecialties of occupational medicine yeah. and I always had that in my mind that's what I want to do when I grow up just because it sounded cool um, and then I thought hey wait a minute we need space medicine by creating space to come up with better medicine and and this all came about when I was speaking at, you know the deputy chief medical officer in Wales he came onto the podcast and and I asked him this very question like why don't we collect all this, these problems that we're seeing as health professionals and collate them somewhere and then do something about all this stuff that maybe the clinical entrepreneur program is promoting. And he said, where, when, who has time for all of this? Right. And so it's all that that's where it came from. And what I've found, I just want to share some insight there that what others have told me that I work with, but also from myself, from like firsthand experience, there's a difference between time to think and a time to just let it be. And I found that the ideas come from the latter. When I go in with a specific question and I'm looking for an answer, and I'm just bombarding my thoughts or pen and paper, whatever, I don't get a good answer usually. It comes from here rather than here where intuition resides. And the latter is just letting intuition wake up. And the ideas are way closer to home and what we need and simpler. Mm, I think I think that's really powerful thoughts <laughs> and, and yeah, statement really um so I, I mean I, I think this has been a really fascinating discussion and also really reflective I'd love to hear it just to, to close off I mean you've mentioned burnout a lot mm -hmm. of us have experienced burnout mental health issues you name it physical health issues and I see a lot of doctors who as a result of that experience use that as a catalyst for change. Mm. So what is my question? My question is, as an entrepreneur, how, I mean, we've talked about ha having that space because obviously the risk is coming from burnout and going to entrepreneurialism or even going yeah. into a startup or going into a new career, mm. there's a risk that you will self-perpetuate that burnout essentially. And I've had conversations even with doctors who are like, I've burnt out x number of times and i'm like but why <laughs> why why have you put yourself through that again and again and again and you know your boundaries i burnt out once and i'm never going to burn out again like that you know that was my learning point i knew what my limits are so like what what advice would you give to a, a budding entrepreneur who has come through burnout who is making change because you know of, of something they've experienced that has affected their mental health but going into setting up a business you know yeah how do they navigate through that and and you know protect themselves like for example I don't know I'd love to hear from you actually yeah no no, no please please allow I'm not, not going to seed I'll... anything I'm not going to know I seed stuff but like I'm not going to okay. seeding anymore 
I am mutual. I mean, I think first, sorry that you had to go through that too. And it's it's rough. There's quite a lot of people going through it. And it's burnout, I think, is just tip of the iceberg because we know people take their lives from, from these scenarios. And it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, so whatever I'm about to share is just my experience and opinion. It doesn't mean that it's like professional advice at all. So please see someone here, Leo, talk to someone that is licensed to care for you. If this is this podcast this. is a different kind of therapy, and I think everyone realizes that. Okay, so good. don't just, worry. You're not paying there. for it either. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so, not NHS, I can tell you that. So uh, yeah. Maybe, so moving on. I think you know it comes back to a little bit about the moving goalposts that I talked about earlier, but also reflecting on every pivot that I've made throughout my career. And I've done the for me, everything I can think of, I've been there, done that from academia to business, to consulting, to media, to public health, to any of the, the works, right? And, I, and I've got a good sense of the pros and cons of each, but at the end of the day, I've gone full circle in a way and I've found the blend. And I think one of the things about, you know, when I was teaching in a medical school, um, two of them, actually, the latest ones, teaching students, medical students, about public health. And it's not about statistics. Again, it's not about p-values or confidence intervals. It's about improving population health. And I was talking through the methods that we can do it. You can remember this, eyes are glazed over. I was fast asleep throughout my public health module, right, in third year of medical school. It's terrible. And um, fast forward, I'm doing the same and I'm seeing the same, you know, effect on my students. And then I started changing the words up a little bit. So, so if you were going to create your own startup I and mean, you're going to do this, you're going to need this, that everything is the same. The methodology, by the way, is exactly the same as with public health practice. We just don't think about it that way. And they started opening up. They started queuing to come and ask me questions after class. It's the same process, just the sources of funding might sometimes be different, but all usually it's similar. So to cut a long story short, the methods are same. So go back and learn your public health and come and talk to me if you want to. But the, the key question is, how can we prevent burnout in the first place? You know, how can we work upstream to set the working conditions? You're an occupational health doctor. What can we do there, first of all? Secondly, as an individual, what can you do to stay not resilient, but just going back to slowing your mind and thoughts down a little bit? seeing things differently so that you can not only cope but actually thrive on that busyness that we're all having to go through and then if you have the option and opportunity to create this space and work part-time less than full-time and do whatever you want with that time be clear what you want to achieve because we all know entrepreneurship startups is a risky game there's no safety net you can be working endless hours and for those of us who have the traits that go into clinical medicine, if we apply that to entrepreneurship, that is pretty set for burnout. So we've got to be very careful. Design what you're trying to achieve upstream before you head down that path. Thank you so much for those really important advice and insights. And what I really love about you is that you, you seem to slow, in a good way, you seem to slow things down. You have this calmness about you, which is actually really, really powerful in the sense that I can imagine if you are mentoring and coaching someone who's an entrepreneur, that's what essentially what they need, right? Space. Because as on as an entrepreneur, 
there's so much going on in here and there's so much that you need to do in like no time or yesterday like having that time and space to step back and like really clarify and refocus is essential um to moving forward so so thank you I think this has been a really yeah I, I was quite interested to like see where where this goes and like a lot a lot of our conversations that we have on the podcast and the interviews that I've done it goes back to lifestyle it goes back to well-being it goes back to self-care and we forget that as doctors like that is essential to our survival and this is an opportunity to invest in that if we are going to be successful in anything that we do choose to do in our lives because you know a a career for life not so much the case anymore but working for like 80 percent of 90 percent of your life as you have to you know what I mean like that that's pretty much given these days right unless you make it unless like this is why a lot of us is is going into business we hope to make it rich early and then retire right (laughs) so you don't have to rely on that pension that's been building up so uh yeah (laughs) I'll just I'll just I'll just reflect and summarize with my take on things and I just Mm. love what you're doing uh I said this before we hit record i was thinking about what you were doing in the early days, just passively hidden behind the scenes. And we need more people like you doing this good work. So keep keep going. Thank you. Thank you. And also you were doing great work with healthcare professionals in general, especially on the entrepreneurial side. Um, if anyone's got any questions or wants to reach out, how do they get hold of you? Sure. I think the easiest, I'm sure you'll put a link somewhere, but uh, the website is entrepreneurs, if you can spell it, because I have a hard time spelling it, entrepreneurs.doctor. And there's some free resources there and it's on YouTube as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure that we will touch base again in this whole ecosystem of entrepreneurism and healthcare. Looking forward to it. Thanks, B. Thank you. really hope that you enjoyed this episode it was fantastic meeting Beruz also a public health consultant you know occupational health and public health have their links are very closely aligned but as you said in the interview not so much in the UK for some reason but anyway if you'd love to hear more don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and join our mailing list at medicfootprints.org join our mission on to the next episode